Good morning. Good morning. Um, I'm laughing because before I came here this morning, my family's kind of scattered. This morning, all over the country, my daughter, my oldest daughter's in Alabama with some grandparents. My husband and oldest son left at 4 a.m. for D.C. on a trip, and so I'm getting texts and pictures from them. And on my way here, and Andy just saw me do it, so I'm confessing, I'm starting to do this with my phone because I can't. And I actually went and got reading glasses, but I think I can see this because I made the print big enough. So that's that's where I'm at. And my, I have a friend who's an eye doctor, and he's about 10 years younger than me. And this week he said, well, women in your age bracket start. I was like, women in my age bracket? <laughs> he's like, yeah, you start to need to get those glasses. So I'm there, but I think I'm going to do this without it because it's nice, big font. So um, this is, I think, for this little section of... Sunday School. This is the last one that I'm teaching, and then Andy will teach the one next week, and then there's Elder something, and so this bracket of this class will be done then. And so I, um, I thought that was the case, so I was like, okay, God, let's, let's look at what, what do we want to leave this with for today. And um, Gary asked me, he's like, do you have something good today? And I said, yeah, I think so. But it's a, it's a hard topic to define, but I think it kind of naturally goes where we've been going. And so in the past two weeks, we talked about abiding and how to invite Jesus into the good and the bad places. Um, We need him in those hard places because we don't get transformed without him. And then once we know that we can access the Trinity, access Jesus, God, the Spirit, and those hard places, those places where we're bound up, it's really great to access him in the good things and to go about life in an abiding place. And I really cling to that verse in John 16 about him being the one who guides us into all truth. And so in order to do that, we have to trust the guide. And that can be a hard thing. In our head, it's an easy thing. In our heart, in walking it out, that gets a little bit more complicated. And I think that's why both Andy and I have just made this really consistent point that we have to trust the guide. And there's always a reason if we don't and we can draw near to the Father to figure out how to do life like that. That's kind of why we've been doing what we're doing. And so we've got to believe that the guide is trustworthy and that he's true. And I want to give you a picture of this, and it's a poor picture, but the elements are there to kind of make this make sense where we're going today. Um, I was in college and I was a resident assistant. Do you know what that is? It's like the, the mom of the floor, the dad of the floor. And I did this three years in college and then in a crazy place decided to do that when I got my master's degree and actually run an entire dorm as a newlywed of 350 co-ed freshmen at the University of Louisville. So that I could do a whole semester on that <laughs> if you just want to know what that looks like. And so um, part of residence life is that you have to have team building. And so we would constantly, as RAs and resident directors, have team building retreats when we'd go back to college. I was at Belmont in my undergrad, and we would do these retreats out in the woods, and it's, it's building our team. And so we did this one hike, and it was somewhere in Tennessee. I, I don't remember exactly where, but we're out in the woods, and it was called a trust hike. And so my role was the one who had to have the trust And the person I got assigned to, which this was a younger sibling of a guy that both me and my then friend, now husband, both knew well. So he was like a sophomore. I was a senior. And it's important for the story. We were about the same height, 
this is going to be important later. Although he came from Texas to Belmont and he wore cowboy hats and cowboy boots and he was pretty buff. Me, not so much. But we're about the same height except he's strong. So he's, he's given the job to be my guide and to take me, and there's about 25 of us, through this forest, which if you know anything about me, this is not my comfort zone, but I'm competitive in games, and like, I'm doing it. And so I get blindfolded, because it's a trust hike, and he's got me by the hand, and he has to call out to me every next step. Like, there's a rock, take just a slight step over, or we're coming up on a log, I'm gonna take you around it. So I can't see, and I'm just being led by him through these woods. And sure enough, about 20 minutes in, there's chaos because someone about five steps in front of us unknowingly steps on a hornet's nest. And I wish I was making this up, but I'm not. And so there are half of us who are blindfolded and we're with guides guiding us. And all of a sudden, just three or four people up, I just start hearing shrieking, shrieking. And then all of a sudden, I feel stinging, three or four. And I don't know what happened in the moment. I would like to say it's because I'm competitive and I was going to stick to the rules. But I froze and I'm blindfolded and I'm just going, ow, ah, what is that? You know, because they hurt. Hornets hurt really bad. And the smart thing would have been for me to take off the blindfold and run. But I froze, maybe in terror, maybe in I'm going to play this game right. And my sweet guide, this sophomore, he's doing his job right. And he comes up and he throws me over his shoulder like a sack of potatoes and takes off running through the woods for the field. And I'm still blindfolded. Like, I don't even know what's going on. I'm just helpless. I'm like, this guy's going to take care of me. And so later that day, three or four people went to the hospital, which is pretty, pretty great that they were okay and just needed to go get some meds. I had like four or five stings. My sweet guide, Daniel, had double because he took them for me, and he got me and got me out. And the more we talked about it that night with like ice packs or whatever we could find at this retreat, the more glorious it became because he would look at me and go, you were so in that game. You, you did not take the blindfold off and you let me guide you out even though there was complete chaos. And I would go, you, you got me out of there. You took stings for me. We, we're good. We're good. This is a good team. And by the end of the night, it was, you saved my life. I did. I saved your life. And the story got bigger and bigger. And we were relishing in how great the other person was. And in my mind, as I was thinking this week, that is a dim and somewhat flawed, but still it has some elements. It's a dim picture of glory where God looks at us and says, you're so great. You're so great. I I, I'm your guide, but you're so great. You're doing it so great. And we look back at God and we go, you got us out. You got us out. And we trust you as the guide and we're going to keep trusting. And so today we're going to talk about this piece of glory a little bit. And it's really hard to define, kind of like defining beauty, right? We know what it is when we see it, but it's sort of broad and we can touch it and say, that looks like beauty. That looks like glory. Um, it's much easier to define a table, like it's about this size and four legs and it stands up. Glory is a little different, but I think it's really important that we talk about it in the context of both walking by the Spirit and um, freedom, because we don't talk about it enough. And that's the chief end of why we're here. 
and again, I love catechism and have gone in seasons with my kids where we try to learn it. We're supposed to glorify God and enjoy Him forever, and that's it. And we don't often press into that place enough because we're worried, I don't know, that maybe it makes us super spiritual, but there should be a glory and a joy in just our daily, even mundane parts of our life. And so if we're gonna partake that glory and surround ourselves with this glory, I think we have to come to terms with two things and they really fit in the context of this class. And this is really important and I, I think that we struggle here. God's passion for his own glory and he definitely has a passion for his own glory and it's not selfish and it's not narcissistic. It's because he's the best. God's passion for his own glory and his passion for our joy are not at odds with each other. They actually go together. His passion for his own glory and his passion for our joy, they're like this. They work hand in hand. And when we understand that and start to let that wash over us, it's then that we can really trust the guide. They're not opposite ends of the spectrum. So let's talk about the best I can, the definition of glory, so we know what we're talking about. Some people have said it's the manifest beauty of his holiness. That's still wordy to me. It's a pretty definition, but it's true. I like this one better. Glory is in our knowing and our esteeming and our loving and rejoicing in and praising God. The glory of God is both exhibited and acknowledged and the fullness of that is received by us and it's returned back to Him. So it's kind of like this. Again, the dim picture of my college trust guide us going, no, that was great. No, you were great. And then it got greater. It's this kind of thing when we experience the glory of God. A better picture, I think, I was at um, a restaurant on Friday with my husband and my oldest son. My other kids were scattered different places in the city. And I was watching an infant that some brave parents had, had walked in there with. And this little infant would look at the mom or the dad and they would smile and she would smile back. And they would get so lost in it, you don't know who started the smiling, right? It's like, oh. And then they smile and it's a reflection. That baby looked like them. The baby knows that there's some connection there to this parent that they're just learning to love. And they're smiling back and forth, back and forth. And if you've ever held an infant like that, and I know there's parents and grandparents in there, there's no place that you would rather be. And it was familiar enough to me that I actually wanted to steal the baby. I actually asked the mom, hey, I've got four kids. Do you want to eat? Because I can, I can hold this baby and get some of that too. And there was another mom who did the same thing. This poor new mom was probably like, these ladies are weird. But we both had had kids and we're like, just give us the baby because we can just do that back and forth. And so glory with God, it's like beams of glory coming from God. And we receive it as such and we reflect it back to him of God, in God, to God. Of God, it comes all from God. It's in God, that abiding place that we keep hitting on, and then back to God. He shines on us, into us, and we reflect it back. So that again is still kind of lofty feeling to me, lofty sounding, but I think everyone in here has at least touched on it at some time. So why is this so important in the context of what we're talking about, and how do we do it? That's the question I like to ask about all of these things. And to me, it's tied so securely to walking in freedom and by a spirit that we have to talk about. Number one, why is it so important? We have to intentionally meditate on his glory. And before anybody freaks out about that word, that word is all over the Bible. 
the New Age guys stole it from God. They'll probably have to answer for that at some time. That word belongs to the Lord. So what is that word? If we're going to intentionally meditate on his glory, and there's verses, you can look them up. We're told New Testament, as far back as there, that we're supposed to meditate on it day and night. Meditate on his precepts. Meditate on his word. Meditate on his beauty. All that means is to ponder it to muse, to imagine, to speak, to mutter. I explain it to my kids as we're chewing on it. You know, when you have a good piece of steak and you're chewing on it, you're, you're with it all day. And I don't know about you, but if I'm in the house by myself and I'm doing something and I'm gonna do something and maybe I'm making a list, I'm walking around and I'm saying it out loud. I'm not even aware I'm saying it out loud. Like, okay, and then we're gonna do this and I need to pick this up at Target and this up here and then this kid. And so I'm, I'm chewing on it. We should be doing that with the beauty of the Lord. All day long, we're told to. God is asking us to do it. He's not asking us to do it to be harsh or give some more rules. He's asking us to do it because He knows our greatest joy comes from that. He knows that we're gonna be filled when we do that. We are supposed to ascribe glory to the Lord. And I think we don't sometimes either because we don't look for it or we don't have the eyes to see it, but we were made to do it. Just like David, one thing that I desire that all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord. Here's David who was running a nation, he's king, but he is so preoccupied with God. And if this isn't our heart's cry like David, we miss it. And here's what I think we miss. I think we miss and we risk becoming spiritually bored, becoming useless, aimless. If we're not captivated by the glory of the Lord on some level, most of our days, we become spiritually bored and aimless. We talk about it, we say it in songs and hymns, but when was the last time you just sat and meditated and chewed and pondered and mused on the glory of the Lord. When we don't, we become really weak and vulnerable to attack. But if we're fascinated by God, we become strong and equipped. We want to be fascinated and preoccupied by God. Number two, and I've seen this one play out for the last at least 20 years, we will not keep ground that we take with the Lord. We will not keep freedom with the Lord. We will not consistently walk by the Spirit if our gaze isn't up high. You may take a little bit of ground and then you'll get moved right back. If you don't say, stay near to His glory, you lose what was gained. I've seen a lot of people who get like maybe a chunk of freedom, maybe something gets worked out, or they get this one experience with the Lord where they're like, okay, that was the Spirit. And then they kind of, without even saying it, they go, I've, I've got this now. I've got this. And what they're doing, whether they realize it or not, they are anchoring in themselves to old victories. I've sat with people and they're like, yeah, I remember that time in 1992 where I really felt the Lord's presence. And I'm like, what about since then? No, that was great. Not really, that really defined my life. And, and I feel like the Lord goes, no, no, it's not supposed to be that way. It's glory to glory. We're supposed to keep tracking in this place of near to Him. And it's sobering to me when people get a little chunk, and I don't know why we back away. Maybe it's how we feel about good things where we can only get just so much. It's really an ungodly belief. The Lord wants us to swim 
in his glory. Okay, I've got this and that's enough and that'll get me through the next five years. No, we, we want to be consistently in that place. Hebrews 6.19, we have a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner. That's some rich stuff. That's where we're supposed to be anchored, in that inner place. There's no more gate, there's no more veil. Inner place with glory. And we're so used to on this earth, when we talk about anchors, they kind of thud in the water. We, we set the anchor down with the boat and it's a thud and you're stuck. A glory of God kind of anchor is it's, it's heavenly. It's up here. And if we don't have knowledge of this kind of anchor versus this kind of anchor, then, then we miss it. We may get little hints of it, but we're going to go about being really disappointed. We're going to be disappointed and aimless and maybe even ashamed that we crave this and can't find it. And that's okay to acknowledge that craving. We were actually created by God with a craving to be filled with wonder, <coughs> to be fascinated, and to be awestruck. And don't you know that the entertainment and technology industry knows this? I mean, just think about all your TV channels, all the movies we could go see, all the cool tech gadgets. I was in Green Hills Mall and I was walking past the Apple store and just lines of people in line to put the thing on. I don't even know what the thing is, but I know it's, it's, it's pretty cool, whatever it is. And I was with my oldest son. I said, what do you think about that? And he said, I think it's, I think it's a, a counterfeit. It is, and, there's, and that's fine. I mean, that's fun, like riding a roller coaster. There's a, a thrill there. You, there's nothing wrong in that, but what is it that we're really, really craving? We're craving to be awestruck. We're craving to be fascinated, and the enemy's like, great, I will meet you at that craving, and I'll raise you by two. It exists to fill that, and God says, no, fill it with the legitimate thing. Fill it with my glory. <coughs> We, we will be disappointed by everything else, no matter how cool it is when we put it on our head. And I think a lot of people feel ashamed because they crave that, or maybe they're fearful because they crave that. But we were made to enjoy God, and our eyes, according to Scripture, were made to see the King of Beauty. When's the last time we just gave ourselves time to do that? So how do we do that? How do we tap into this this glory place, so we're consistently near, we're consistently fascinated by God. How do we do that? Well, a lot of people do it through nature, and I think that is a really good, easy first step to see God's glory. I mean, I see it all the time in Tennessee. I haven't lived here in a long time, and we're constantly fascinated by how green the grass is and how green the trees are. And we go about in our minivan praising God because it's beautiful if you haven't seen it in a while. Um, about three weeks ago, I was for real stopped in my tracks, running from my minivan to my house and back out again in about five minutes time, getting kids where they needed to go. And I just watched this little snail on my, on my bricks by my house. There was some glory in that. And the Lord just started speaking about how he works and how he works in that snail. So I think it's all over the place if we're asking for the eyes to see it. And maybe that's where some of us start this morning. God, give me eyes to see this. And nature is a beautiful way to see it. I think there are even deeper, holy, heavenly places to see it. And I'll just be honest, it is why I am addicted to God's glory and freedom prayer. 
because this past week I prayed with three or four people and I saw it on display every time and there is nothing I would rather be doing. It's like a front row seat when you see God meet people and it's just like the baby, it's just like me with the guide and God goes, oh, I love you this much and the person goes, I love you right back and you're so good, no, you're so good and I delight in you and I delight in you. That is a front row seat and I think it's a heavenly picture of glory when we sit with God's children and, and get, a, get a seat to that, get to view it. Um, one of the tenets of freedom prayer and freedom tools is that we have a culture of honor. And so before I say this, I want to say that I gained permission to talk about this and it's already going to make me teary-eyed from my friend Sarah, who's sitting right there. And she was one of the sweet people that I sat with this week and we were praying. And at the end of her prayer time, we could not help ourselves but just go, Jesus, you are so sweet. And that thing that was important, it's important to you. And again, for me, I'm watching the Lord do this with Sarah and Sarah do it right back to the Lord. And I'm going, Jesus, you're so good. And only you would know that. And only you would know what to do with that. So it met our heart. And that's how we spent five or 10 minutes at the end of the prayer time. No one told us to, it's not a formula. We could not help, but just partake of that kind of glory. And it was pure as day and she's nodding. I'm not gonna make her talk cause she'll get choked up too. But that's what that is partaking of glory. And it was all we could do was to shake our heads and go, God, you're so good. Jesus, you are so good. And the rest of the day and really the rest of the week, I was going, God, you love Sarah so much. You love her so much, so specifically, so purely. Thank you. Thank you that I get to see that. Thank you that I know her. Thank you that I can sit with someone who is so obviously about the glory of God. Thank you for how you do that. That's about freedom. That's about hearing a spirit, but it's about glory. And we were meant to partake it together. We were meant to see it on each other and call it out. I had a friend call this week and I trained her and her husband about four years ago and they have since moved to a different city. And she called me almost in whispers and it was making me laugh. I was actually in a store talking to her and I'm laughing because God's glory was so evident. And she in whispered tones said, Jen, so we went to this church and, and all these doors are opening and people want prayer. And, and I remember when I was so, so depressed five years ago, it was oppressive. And the Lord was reminding me what he did and he rescued me, kind of the guide in the woods again. He rescued me out of that and that's so foreign. And I was like, God, why are you reminding me of this? And the next day a woman at the church said, we want you to speak at our women's meeting and we want you guys to start a prayer team. And she said, Jen, I feel most alive when I am sitting with other people doing this. Is, is that right? I was like, yeah, it's right. Like that's the glory of God because you are watching him move. You're, you're a front row, better than the thing you put on your face in the Apple store, better than any movie, better than any cable channel, better than any high-tech gadget. You get to see him do that. And so what I would like to do first before I do this, any thoughts, any questions, anything you want to say? I know I just dumped that out there. I felt like, okay, it's the last class. This is important to me. Because if we don't get this, it just doesn't look true. If we don't get this, we are disappointed. If we don't get this, we are not 
moving and acting in the fullness of what we were created to move and act in, especially with other people. Thoughts or testimonies before we practice something? See, now you'll talk because I'm going to make you pray. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That's a great title. <laughs> uh, tell us more. <laughs> well, uh, it's, it's uh, exactly as you mentioned. Uh, we think about God. We think about what he's done for us. Uh, and we swallow it and kind of digest it and, and uh, let it go and let it go in, uh, part of it into us. And then, after a while, we regurgitate it. Mm-hmm. And we chew on it and we think about it more about the word. And we swallow and we regurgitate and think about it again. And I know it's not tasteful, but it, it's That's a good at picture. the same time, uh, it's uh, exactly, I think, what we, uh, it's a great cow recipe. Yeah. So. Yeah. I think that's great. I mean, that's essentially this this thing. It's what you're doing. Absolutely. Um, the glory of God, I think sometimes we think it has to be this kind of thing, and it is. But I also think sometimes he gives it to us in, in pieces that we can swallow, pieces that we could regurgitate back. Um, I was praying with a really sweet group of women on Friday and this sweet mom who uh, the weight of the world on this woman is is huge she has a daughter who has a degenerative disease and it's gonna take her out eventually and her daughter's already surpassed the life expectancy and so this sweet mom carries the weight of what could happen today with this beautiful little six-year-old girl and she was saying I, I, you know, all the feelings that she has a right to feel, the valid feelings of I'm scared, I'm sad, but God, but I, I mean, she's so faithful. And um, we started to just tap in in the prayer time to what God had for her. And I watched her like sh- sit back in her chair. And I always ask questions because I'm more curious than anything. Hey, how are you doing? What's happening? And she said, I just feel the weight of God's love. And I said, yeah, I think that's for you. The weight of God's love will supersede the weight of this world. And we should tug at him till they, till they balance. And so she just started doing that thing where she's telling the Lord back to him, you're so good and I, I get so distracted, I don't let you do this for me. And after the prayer time, it became 20 questions. They just felt the freedom to ask me anything, which I think is kind of fun. And they said, well, what about glory and miracles? And I said, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go to the grave going after those. I said, but what about what just happened to you? That ever happened? She said, no. I said, so if you're wanting to tell your husband and your kids about the glory of God, start there. Start regurgitating what he just did, how he gently reminded you. It's about drawing near to him and getting that weight. She could feel it, and it took the weight of everything else off. And she just started to, again, speak it back and made plans to speak it back to her kids who ask her about these things. Yeah, I can, I can meet with the Holy God. I was made to do that. I can receive some of that. All right, more questions, more thoughts before we practice for a minute? I have a memory of talking to a lady um, years ago, and I knew her in a Bible study, and we were, I was just talking to her on the phone, and 
and I was telling her about a little situation, a small little thing, um, when I was on, in Florida <coughs> with Riley when she's little. Mm-hmm. We were at a pool, and, and Riley had, she was kind of running and slipped, and I, and I was telling my friend this story, and I'm like, it was the weirdest thing. It was like, I was watching this, but I was like, it was just so weird because it was like, it was like inches that she didn't hit her head. Mm-hmm. And, 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 but it was almost like, as I watched it, it was like her head was suspended. And, and she's like, she was like, she was like, you're giving me the <coughs> like it was God's hand protecting her. And she said this phrase to me, and I never thought about it like that, but she goes, Erin, that's how much he loves you that you protected Riley like that. And I never would think of that as him sparing a potential injury, whatever, as him loving me. Hmm. And it was like, I never have, I never put that, like, ever, ever since then, I'm like, gosh, that's true. He loves me by doing that. You know, I don't know. It was just such a... I think there are evidences of God's great love specific, like specific to you, specific to you, specific to you, everywhere. But I think the world, the enemy, however you want to frame that, does everything it can to make us miss it. And so that's, that's really a great lead into what we're going to practice. I, in my experience in communities, with communities going after more of the Lord, more of His Spirit, more freedom, if we don't have our eyes set on that anchor, what happens is, and no one means for it to happen, is that everyone gets so worked up about the me part. And the me part's important to him. He is so invested in our heart, but it keeps people in this place of going, well, I'm still in this broken place, and I'm broken, and I'm, and I'm still, and there's a season where we all do that, but the Lord says, because we're going here. We're supposed to walk in this place of just partakers of His glory, and that's what really changes a, a church, a culture, a city, a state. It, we're going here. We're constantly being sanctified. We're constantly with a good God who will tell us what we need to know, but it's here. If we stay here, it's about us, and that's fun for a while, but disappointing too. It's, we're, going, we're going here. And so I think what I would... What I would like us to do now, not I think, I know what I would like for us to do now, um, we're going to just sit before the Lord and, and try to touch some of this and ask Him some questions as a group. You're going to do it silently, and I'm just going to help walk you through it to let Him start peeling apart what is it that, just like you said, Aaron, keeps us from not seeing. Because I, that's the question I ask the Lord all the time. I want to see your glory. Show me your glory. Show me any place that keeps me from doing that. And we've lined it up on the board before, ungodly beliefs and all those things. This is just a different bent on what we're going after. And so, if you will, I'm going to have you close your eyes so you're not distracted by the person next to you. And there's enough chairs you can spread out if you need to, if you want a little space. And I'm just going to pray for a minute, and I'm going to read you some of the Lord's words. And then we're just going to ask Him some questions, and I'm going to just prep you. I'm going to give you lots of space to really seek out some answers because, man, when we come to church, we want to encounter God. And so you can hopefully walk out of here saying, yeah, I did. Spent time with my beloved today. 
And so, Lord, we just, we invite you just like we always do. And we say that we, we need you and we long to be awestruck and fascinated by you. You made us that way. You made us to be partakers of your glory in partnership with you. You delight in us. You are so invested in every piece and place in our heart. And we just as a group confess that we miss it. We miss it often in our day. We get busy, we get distracted, and we have filled those places with illegitimate solutions, solutions that just don't meet it for us. And yet we go after those on a daily basis thinking that they will. And so we as a group just turn our face and say, we, we, we want to know you like that. We want to step into your glory. And Lord, I just I speak those words that we're after from your word. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the surpassing greatness of his power towards us who believe. Lord, that our eyes could be enlightened, that the eyes of our heart could be enlightened, so we would know the riches of your glory. And so just ask God right now who longs for you to be captivated by him because he knows it is the best. He wants the best for you. God, what does it look like to have the eyes of my heart enlightened? What does it feel like? How is it different from where they are right now? God, will you show me if I'm there? If there are places that are still foggy? Places that don't quite come in clearly? I can kind of see it as a, from a distance, but God, show me what that would mean to have the eyes of my heart enlightened. How do I get there? Lord, will you show me if there is anything that keeps the eyes of my heart from gazing upon you? If there is anything that keeps me from partaking of your glory, is it something that I believe about you that's false? Is it something that I believe about myself that doesn't line up with your heart for me? God, I'm asking you to name for me, please, what it is that blocks me from partaking of your glory.
God, will you show me if I'm fearful of it? Maybe I fear the intimacy part. Maybe I fear what that means if I, if I step into that. Will you show me if there's fear there? And if there is, will you show me what's true? Will you show me what's true about, about how you give this to your beloved children? I want your perspective, God. Will you enlighten the eyes of my heart? Will you open my eyes so that I can be about this on a regular basis? Lord, will you show me, just like that scripture, will you show me where I cast my anchor? Where do I place my feet so I feel secure? Would you show me where you want me to place my hope, my security in that, that inner chamber, that holy of holies kind of place? Will you, will you show me how to get there? Will you show me what it would feel like or what it would look like to put my anchor there? God, will you, would you speak to the gap in between, between where I place my anchor and where you desire it to be? Jesus, will you help me get there right now, please? Lord, would you speak and would you show me any place that is responsible for me keeping my anchor low? Low in the ground, stuck, stunted, weighted down by gravity when it's supposed to be cast someplace different, someplace heavenly, but yet right near. Would you tell me what keeps me grounded there when you, when you desire different things? is partaking of your glory. What would it mean, how would it change the game if my anchor was cast high, if it was found secure in you? And God, maybe it's like glasses. Maybe the eyes of my heart can't see because I just haven't had your lens. God, would you give me your eyes? Would you give me your lens so I see it like you see it?
God, we say corporately that there is one thing that we ask and one thing that we seek. And we want to behold your beauty. We want to see your glory. We know it's coming on the other side, but we know we need to now. We need to walk as children who just get right up close to that all day, every day. Would you lift the veil? Would you get the blurriness out so the eyes of our heart can be enlightened? Would you show us what keeps us stuck? What keeps us from drawing near to that place? God, we look to you and we say that that is our one thing. We want to behold your glory and enjoy you. Enjoy you in it. They're one and the same. Thank you, Lord Jesus, in your name. Amen. Amen. And now for the remaining time, I just want you to find a person or two people and just talk about how that, how that played out for you. What was hard, what was easy, things the Lord said. I know that's, that's taking it to the next level, but come on, that's what we want to be doing. So you get to, to taste and kind of step in God's glory when you see it on display in someone else too. So just take a minute and do that if you will. Not a long time, just a little bit. Share a little bit. I'm going to play over the last